I just wanted to share a bit. We've only got a short amount of time, so uh, I'll probably do parts of this sermon. This is one I preached a couple of years ago. Um, it was titled something different, but I've called it From Foundation to Fruitfulness. And so as, as Christians wanting to, you know, really, I think we all want to be fruitful with our lives in whatever capacity, whatever that looks like. So not putting a, a, a parameter on, you know, this is what it has to be, but say, well, I want to be fruitful. I want to, I want to do great things for God. I want to be, you know, successful in life. I want to be a good follower of Jesus. And so wanting to, um, I guess, achieve that end game, we have to look at the starting point. So this is what they call reverse engineering. So when you look at where do you want to be, and then you kind of work back as to where do you need to begin. And for me, this idea of, of really we need to start at the foundation level. And I know I talk a lot about foundations and, and building the right foundations when it comes to the church. And this is more when it comes to do with our individual lives as well. So the analogy applies in lots of different contexts. But this in particular is how do you as an individual build your life on the right foundation in order to then come to a place of fruitfulness. Cool? All right. So when we think of construction, so in building something simple, there can be numerous starting points or ways to go about the construction process. So there's lots of different ways that you could put something together, that you could build something. When building something complicated, the order of the steps is far more important. So when a house is built, you don't build the walls before you lay the concrete slab. You don't lay the concrete slab until you've poured the concrete footings around the outside. You don't install the internal ceiling before you put the external roof covering on. Okay, tip for you there, because when it rains, it doesn't go well for you. Although there are some steps in the building process that can be rearranged. Okay, so you could do, you know, the, the, the you know, you could swap certain things around. Okay, you could do the electrical before you do the tiling. You know, there's, there's things within that process that can be rearranged. There are certain parts of the process. There's fundamental steps that must be done in the right order for the house to be built well and for the foundations to withhold the lifespan of that house. And it's the same for our lives. People are complicated. And in order for us to function properly and in a healthy manner, there's foundations that get laid in the early years of life that help to produce healthy and functioning adults. Although we can make alterations later in life, which we'll all need because no one is, has a perfectly laid foundation. Okay, So nobody grows up with a perfect childhood with perfect parents, except my kids, um, but everyone else's will, will have some work to do. <laughs> That's way too much laughter. So although there's some rearranging that can take place later on in life and because of Jesus and the power of Jesus, we can actually, he can actually come in and change our foundations. A lot of what we do with the Elijah House Prayer Ministry really is coming in and changing and altering the foundations. But that's a lot more painful. You could, you could literally come into a house that's already built and they go, oh, actually, we forgot to lay the foundations. There would be a way of you pouring concrete footings onto that concrete slab, but it's a lot more work. Okay? But it can be done. And in the same way in our lives, if you're 70 years old and, you, and you, there were things laid in, in your childhood that you've been living out of, they can be changed by the power of God. They can be changed by Jesus. Hallelujah. But it is far better us to, for us to start with the right foundation. So some people grow up with great kingdom foundations. They have Christian parents who disciple them well in the things of God. Their identity in Christ is affirmed. It's drawn out. 
It's called out from a young age. They grow up with a healthy understanding of who God is and who they are in light of God. Okay, so some people have a, a much more better foundation to build on. Although others grow up then with no real understanding of who God is and the impact that he would have on their lives. Their identity is shaped more maybe by performing to, to rightly, you know, to achieve acceptance from, from people, from parents. Uh, there could be abusive environments, which feeds in a lot of negative truths and reality into them. So I believe that we all have a destiny created by God for us to walk out in our lives. Ephesians 2.10 talks about how we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. We have good works to do and we are God's workmanship created by Him. We're created in Christ. So we exist as a corporate people with a corporate identity as part of God's body, but we're also individuals with an individual purpose that God has designed for us. As we yield ourselves to God and follow the Holy Spirit, our corporate destiny and identity should combine. So the reality is we are not only individuals. In the kingdom of God, in the way that God has designed things to work, we are always corporate as well as individual. We are interconnected. We are part of a body. We are part of a family. We are part of God's church, His kingdom, in that kind of way. And there is a corporate identity on the body of Christ. There's a corporate calling. There are things that God declares that is the same for each and every one of us. Okay? Our identity in Christ is the same for each and every one of us. There are corporate things, but it's also important to understand on an individual capacity. So I want to talk to you about essentially what are some of the building blocks and the right way to establish um, our lives. So building on the right foundation, then what are some of the things that can be worked out in our lives for us to come into a place of fruitfulness? And the first thing to understand is the foundation that gets laid, okay? And the foundation, according to the Bible, is laid by the apostles and the prophets. This is talking about the church. This is talking about church corporate, but then also church individual. And it's established by the fivefold ministry. And so we have built within us is kingdom DNA at a corporate level and Christ-likeness at an individual level. I'll explain the PowerPoint as we go along. Awesome. So essentially, the role of the apostles and prophets, even in establishing not just the corporate church, but the individuals within the kingdom of God, there's a, there's a function and a role there. And it is what is upon the apostolic calling and gifting that builds the right things into the foundation of an individual. So it's essentially kingdom DNA. So what is the essential elements of the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is not what we decide it to be. It is established by God in the same way that the church is not what we decide it to be. And we don't shift and mold the church to meet culture's needs or to, to try and be popular or to try and be even sometimes even to be successful. A lot of the time the church diminishes some of the essential elements of what is built into what's called the ecclesia or the church. So apostles and prophets lay this kingdom foundation. And the apostolic is also about kingdom architecture during the building process. So we look at, again, I love how the, the similarity between building and, uh, and how it all kind of ties in together, particularly with the apostolic. But there's something of the design of how people are put together and a right understanding of those things. So apostles, when they build in that kingdom DNA, what are some of the elements of that apostolic kind of office or, or influence? What would some of those things be, do you think? What's apostle mean? 
a sent one. Yep. So part of that understanding, part of being built into the kingdom of God is that we are sent people. We are a missional people. When you see the word mission, apostle, it means you know, a sent one. It means to be sent in that kind of way. So to understand that we are on a mission from God, that we are not, um, we don't belong to earth, we belong to heaven. We belong to God and we belong with God, but we are here on a mission from God to establish His kingdom, to make disciples of Jesus. There's this understanding of, of, of the miss, a missional people that we are. There's also other elements of the apostolic in terms of you know, fathering and building up people, raising sons and daughters, that we understand who we are and our identity in Christ. Okay? Understanding who we are as a people. The prophetic calling is, I think, primarily is about covenant faithfulness to God. So that the people of God will understand that we are covenantally linked to God and our role is to be faithful. So if we go and journey through the Old Testament, we see it was constantly the roles of, of, the, of the prophets was to call people back to covenantal faithfulness to God. To draw people back to God as they would be wayward and drifting off on their own. And the prophets would call them back to God and would call them back to God. With the other nations, they would pronounce judgment on them as enemies of God. Uh, in, obviously, in a new covenant perspective, that's different. But that role of, of the apostolic and the prophetic really building into the foundation of people so that we understand who we are as God's kingdom people. That we're not building our lives on you know, our, our parents' influence, worldly ideas, but really on who does God say that we are. So kingdom DNA is thinking like God, valuing what he values, acting like he acts. When Jesus was on earth, he would, he would come to people and he was proclaiming the kingdom of God. And he'd say, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So what is repentance? Changing of the mind. So Jesus would come before people and he said, you need to change the entire way that you think. You need to change the entire paradigm of your understanding and ways of thinking about everything because literally the kingdom of God, an entire new reality, a new set of values, a new way of operating is very right before you. But in order to enter into that life, in order to enter into that kingdom life, we must go through a process of repentance. We must go through a process of having a reestablishment of our thinking, of our ways of engaging with life and the world and God and everything. Everything changes. Everything, it's not even like going from one country to another country. You know, because when you go to another country, well, they might still have vehicles or ways of transporting. They have language. They have, you know, they need food and water. It would be like going from earth to another planet. You know? It's just a whole new paradigm that you'd have to enter into in order to engage with that life. So the fivefold ministry then comes and establishes the work and builds the identity of Christ corporately and individually. So at that base level, we need to understand who we are as a corporate people, who we are to, together, that I am connected and to, to a, a group of people in a broader kingdom sense. But then also at the individual level, to understand my life is about becoming like Christ. I've received the righteousness of God. I have right standing with God. I have right relationship with Him because of what Christ accomplished for me. But now the whole intent of my life is to become like Him. Jesus never said to make converts. He said to make disciples. And a disciple is one who is becoming like their master. And that for us, again, sometimes I think people can engage with the church and the message that they receive is, pray a prayer, you'll get a free ticket to heaven, 
and come and join our church and give your money and get involved and do some stuff, okay? Now, when you receive Christ, when you are born again, you receive eternal life, you receive eternal salvation. It is good for you to belong to a, to a local body of, of believers and to involve yourself in what God has for you. But ultimately, if we miss that point of discipleship, we miss so much of what Jesus preached and the intent of what God has. He wants a whole lot of little Jesuses running around. That's his heart. He's like, I, don't, I didn't just want Jesus and then a whole lot of people. He wanted Jesus and then a whole lot more little Jesuses. You are called to become like God. Who wants to be a little Jesus? Yay. And then you become a big Jesus. No, but, but you know what I mean? That is, that's essentially what discipleship was. It was emulating the one that you are following. So to understand really at the core foundational level that we are part of the kingdom of God, that we would have a foundation laid, that we have a, a kingdom understanding of how the world works, of who God is and who I am in relationship to God, and that the role of my life, or the goal of my life, is to become like Jesus. And when I become like Jesus, I do the things that he did, I say the things that he said, I live out and fulfill the same calling that was on his life because it doesn't change. So everything that Jesus did is available and accessible for you to do. I love when Bill Johnson talks about, you know, Jesus was, he was fully human and he was fully God, but Jesus displayed what it was like for someone to live completely yielded to the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why he accomplished nothing significant that has been recorded up until the age of 30 years then he starts his public ministry, he gets baptized, the Holy Spirit comes upon him, and that's when he goes out and starts to operate in the power of God. Now, I have no doubt that he could have done all of those things beforehand if he wanted to, but he, he laid down his divinity and took upon himself, his, he took upon humanity, and that's a paradoxical reality. He was both of those things at the same time, but he did the things that he did, not because he was God, but because he was a man fully yielded to the Holy Spirit. And the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. That same Spirit that raised Him from the dead dwells, the same Spirit that caused Him to, to raise others from the dead, to heal the sick, to cleanse the lepers, to cast out demons, that same Spirit is in you and upon you to fulfill the same things that God fulfilled. So again, we've got this foundation laid in our lives. And then the fivefold ministry really is about developing you into the fullness of Christ. So the fivefold ministry is those five elements of Jesus. Jesus was ultimate apostle, ultimate prophet, ultimate evangelist, ultimate shepherd, and ultimate teacher. He was all five of those things combined into one. Okay? So again, this is in Ephesians 4.11. Jesus gave, so Jesus gave gifts to the church in the apostles and prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, to equip the saints for works of ministry. Okay? So the role of apostles isn't to raise up apostles. The role of apostles is to raise up a, a dynamic within every believer that is that dynamic of Christ. And apostles will do apostolic things as well. If someone who was in the office of a prophet, their role is not just to prophesy. That will be part of it. But their role is to, is to create prophetic DNA in a community and to draw out that prophetic calling in people's lives so that we understand covenant faithfulness to God. We can hear from the Holy Spirit. We can speak out what God is saying. But that's again for every believer. Evangelists. So the evangelist's role isn't to go out and to save the lost. That's everybody's job is to make disciples and to preach the gospel. Yes? 
Who's, whose job is it to preach the gospel? Put your hand up if it's yours. Yes, hallelujah. But the role of the evangelist is to train and equip the saints to go and do that part. Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus proclaimed the gospel. It's like, well, I'm a little Jesus, so I want to learn how to proclaim the gospel. I don't know how to do it, but an evangelist will equip me. A shepherd will equip me to understand that aspect. So it's not just about what he did, but it's about building in the nature of Christ. As you know, part of our mission statement is to see the embodiment of Christ in every person. And that's, again, what the fivefold ministry does. It 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 pours in those different elements of the nature of God, the nature of Jesus, so that you become more like Jesus. 1 Corinthians 3.8 says, He who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. So Paul is saying he, he laid a foundation in the lives of the people in the church, in the church in Corinth, in, in, in Ephesus, sorry, is it? No, Corinth. He laid that foundation. He was saying, now there's your responsibility to build upon that, but don't build upon anything apart from that foundation, which is Christ himself. So that's what we're talking about here. Kingdom DNA, individual Christ-likeness. Okay? That's the foundation that everything else gets built upon. Because if we don't have a right understanding of the kingdom of God, if we don't have a right understanding about the calling upon our lives to become like Christ, we will go off building all sorts of other things. And the day will come when it will be tested by fire, and it won't survive. Ephesians 2.20 says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now, again, here it talks about being built up and Jesus being the cornerstone. So the cornerstone was the, the first stone that was laid and every other stone that was laid was laid off of the reference of that cornerstone. So everything that gets built from that point, if the cornerstone is out, everything else is out of alignment. Okay? It's the same when you're building, you, you find a, a right angle. So Martin, you know when you tile, if you're, if you're working from in, a, in a building and, it's, and they're not square, that's a problem because you, you can lay the first tile, then every other tile is going to be referenced off that place. Okay? So for us, if our lives aren't built on the foundation of Christ, Him being the cornerstone in our life, whatever we build will be skewed. And that's what happens when you get people and they become adults and their life isn't built on Christ. Even Christians whose lives aren't built on Christ, they might be built on Christianity or religiosity, but they're not built on that. And all of a sudden, this structure is all out of whack. I've met people that have been Christians for a long, long time. And I look at them, I'm thinking, how have, you, how have you missed Jesus this whole time? You're 70 years old, you've been a Christian for 70 years, and you've somehow missed the, the character of Christ in the way that you're behaving or the things that you're thinking or believing. And then I judge them and then I have to repent. 
But I repented, so that's good. Luke 6:47 Everyone who he- who comes to me and hears my words and does them I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. Who's the rock? Jesus. And when the flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built the house on the ground without a foundation. No foundation. When the stream broke against it, it immediately fell and the ruin of that house was great. So again, another example, building your house on the rock. But he says there, they had to dig down to find the foundation. It's, it's even a work, a work that it takes to actually find Christ in that midst and to build your life upon it. It's not just easy. Oh yeah, I'll just do that. But I know even Christians, when, and their faith gets demolished because of a life circumstance. But if your life is built on the unshakable rock of Christ, no matter what the circumstance is, your faith will endure. It might, it'll take hits and it'll come against storms, but I, I can assure you if your house is built on the rock, it will stand. Any storm of life. All right, moving on. Wow. So that next element, so we, we lay the foundation and then we move on to the calling of our lives. And again, there's two elements to it. There's a corporate calling upon every individual, okay? And that is to love God, love others, make disciples, and release God's kingdom on the earth, okay? There's probably other elements, but there's a corporate calling across all of us. We are all called to love God. We are all called to make disciples. We are all called to love others. We are all called to release His kingdom, okay? That's a, there's a corporate calling upon every individual. And then there's also an individual calling. And this is often revealed over time, and it's revealed and released particularly by prophecy, okay? Whether that's prophecy from another person or prophecy directly from God, God speaking to you, that alive and active word that he's speaking out. But you have a, a, corporate, uh, a corporate calling and an individual calling or destiny that God has for your life, okay? He has specific things that he wants to accomplish in and through you. And it's, again, not to make you a workhorse for God, but I think when you come into that loving place, when your house is built on the right foundation, you want to serve Him. You just want to be where He is. You just want to do what He wants you to do. That's for me. It would devastate me if I find out, that I, if I find out one day that I've spent my life doing something that God had not intended me to do. That would be devastating for me. I want to do nothing else apart from what he has for me. Because nothing else, number one, selfishly, nothing else will fulfill me anywhere near as much. But number two, what, like, there is no other purpose for my life. Now, listen, I could, I could go and pursue and f- try and find satisfaction. I just feel like I've been ruined for God, though. Like nothing else really satisfies. I've had moments in my life, I've been in pastoral ministry since I was 21. So 12 years now, going on 13 years. And, uh, and I had, at that moment, I had decisions to make. I could have gone and been an electrician. We could have had a much more easy life financially um, and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, but I, I, I just had to keep choosing. No, I can't, I can't do that. I can't go and pursue that lifestyle. Now, I know there's, an, there's anointing and gifting and calling on people's lives to be, to be wealthy and to make money for God's kingdom purposes. So I'm not saying that's, that my path is everybody's path. But I knew for me, it's just what I had to do. I Almost like I had a choice, but I didn't have a choice. I have to do this. And then even before we planted this church, I came to this point. I was like, okay, what are my choices? 
I felt like God was moving me out of the place where I was, but I had to decide I could go and be an electrician or I could go and start a church or I could go and join another church. And it was almost like I just can't pursue that kind of lifestyle. It just wouldn't fulfill me. And for me today, if someone came and said, Brad, here's $10 million just for you. It's just a gift to you. I just want to bless you with that. I, I honestly don't think I would do anything different with my life. Now, I know that's, for me, I'm like, man, I am blessed. <laughs> like, I love what I do. And it's hard what I do sometimes. And it's costly. And there are times when I think about, you know, sometimes there's those days and you think like, yeah, it'd be, I'd drive a bus for a living or something. Um, but nothing that would shift me out of that place. So there is something as well. There's a calling on your life that God has for you. And I encourage you, if you don't, to, to, to search out prophetic words for your life. That's what I'm saying. Seek God first in that. As I've said to a few people, I think the best prophetic words you can receive is confirmation, not revelation. If every prophetic word you're receiving is revelation, you've like, well, left field, never heard of that before. There's something going on. The best thing for you is get before God, say, God, what is... What is your destiny? What is the calling on my life? What do you have for me? And if he gives you a list of things and then you get prophetic words and then someone's confirming and confirming and confirming those things. Okay? And again, I'll tell you, prophetic words are given in order to sustain you before they're fulfilled. Okay? So when you get an amazing prophetic word, be prepared that it's going to be tough for you for a season. Okay? If God was just going to do it tomorrow, he probably wouldn't necessarily tell you about it. When God says, this is, who you, this is who I've called you to be, this is what I'm going to do with your life, he, God releases that word to us to sustain us in the meantime, when the opposite is, seems to be manifesting in our lives and in our circumstance. Yep, part of the role of, of the prophetic is to sustain us through those wilderness seasons, through those dry seasons, through the not yets and the not revealed. Okay? I've had some amazing prophetic words spoken over my life that I'm not yet seeing the manifestation of, but I believe God and I believe those, those words because of the number of confirmations. Like I love, I love getting prophetic words when they're saying what I already know about who I am. I'm like, yes, you, you got it. Um, either that or I've had a whole, a whole line of false prophecies, but um, no, no, I'm sure, they're, I'm sure they're good. But you know, people who don't know you and they'll just see, now I just, I just hear this. And if people speak stuff that is left field, I don't completely dismiss it or ignore it. I file it away. But I have prophetic words on my phone. I have a playlist and I listen to them often. And I, I feel in my spirit, it's just like an empowering that comes and it's like, that's right, God, that's who I am. Because when I live in the everyday, like I do spend time like just, uh, you know, doing mundane things. You know, I'm like, you know, God's called you to be a father to the nation and to many nations. And this is words that I've received from lots of different people. And this week, I installed a sink Yay! made out of, a, out of a salad bowl. That's it. That's it. So there we are. There's the manifestation of my prophetic destiny. But, um, but I'm okay. Like, I'm at peace. And I don't want to be promoted before the Lord promotes me. I don't want to move ahead of him. And I'm okay for other people to be promoted in front of me. If I've been doing it for 10 years and someone comes in, they've been doing it for two and they, they get, there's more blessing on their life and more promotion, I'm like, hallelujah, praise the Lord. That's good because I know what God has for me and, I'm, and I will wait and I will be patient and I will do my best to not move forward until he moves me forward. I'll do my best to not push open any doors until he opens the door for me. Because I want whatever happens in my life, I want it to be authentic. I want it to be God. 
Because I feel like, you know, and we can learn what it is to be gifted and skilled in order to make things happen with our lives. Even in the church, you know, I see it. Like, I'm just not a big self-promotion kind of person. Now, I think if people who have itinerant ministries and they need to, you know, because it's their livelihood in that way. I'm blessed that, you know, we're, we're covered financially. But, but I just feel like, you know, I just don't want to... I'm happy to be hidden. And I love building relationship and connecting with people. And they become... I encourage you to search out divine connections with people. And let those connections be the ones that open the doors for you as well. To not seek to, to push yourself forward, but just to wait on the Lord and let Him open those doors. So your calling is not your job, although your calling might align with your job, okay? Jobs change, your calling doesn't. Um, that's just a little side note. <clears throat> All right, so the next element, I'll, I'll, I might finish on this one because we're over time, is then the Holy Spirit gifts that get, get released. Now, as you can see, sometimes we can look at it and say, someone can say, well, I'm, I have a gift of... of, of you know, where is it? I, I have a prophetic gift, okay? And there's an assumption that, well, I have a prophetic gift, so therefore that's the calling on my life, and then they just move on and run on with that sort of thing, okay? But if the, if the foundation hasn't been laid, if the calling hasn't been established, then that gift starts to skew off. The reality is anyone can prophesy. Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians that his desire is that all would prophesy, that all would speak in tongues, but more so that everyone would prophesy. So prophecy in that sense is not a unique gift in the New Testament church. It's not often established and functioning, and that's part of what the prophetic um, kind of calling is in building the foundation so that prophecy is just a normal thing, speaking out and, and uh, exhortation and building up. But if we're starting at the wrong layer, it's like we've just started putting, putting the walls up and there's no concrete slab on the house and we start, we're building off something, Okay. But the Holy Spirit can release gifts upon anybody. Okay? And he might do it momentarily or continually, but someone can come and they just come in the Holy They get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Gifts get released upon them from the Holy Spirit. But it, has, it doesn't tell you anything about the calling that God has for your life. It doesn't, doesn't mean that in any way that you have proven yourself and you have rightly built a foundation on Christ's likeness. So this is why we get prophetic people or church leaders or whoever it is making an absolute mess of themselves and their churches because they're not embodying Christ. They're not thinking in kingdom ways. They're building their own empire on their own ego and it's destroying people. This is in Christ. And blindly, absolutely. They're not going about, they're thinking, oh, it's good things. A good, um, I was thinking about this yesterday. A good thing with a wrong motivation makes it a bad thing. You know, you can have a good intent. There's good things. I was, you know, um, yeah, there's good things in the kingdom of God. But if they're being done out of the wrong motivation, it's just distorted and skewed and ends up being wrong. Yes, without love, it's just a clanging symbol. So to understand that, that the role then, the gifts will be released upon you. I use the analogy of it's like a glass filled with water. If the water is the Spirit of God, the glass is your life. And I want to tell you, it takes a lot more to forge and shape a glass than it does to pour in some water.
Okay? Your job is the glass. Your job is to go through the refining process and to be formed into the likeness of Christ. And then expect that Holy Spirit will release gifts upon your life. He'll release what you need for the calling that is upon your life. But your responsibility is not to seek the gift. Your responsibility is to seek Christ and be formed into His likeness. So that then whatever is released is going to be utilized rightly. Again, the analogy of a crane that I've used, and this is particularly with a prophetic ministry, I find, but it's really with any kind of gifting. But a crane with a hook on the end is a powerful force for construction. A crane, the same crane with a wrecking ball on the end is a powerful force for destruction. Same crane, two different purposes. And again, you can have the, a, a, an individual who has built their life on Christ, who has a right understanding of kingdom DNA, understands the calling on their life, then that prophetic gift comes upon them and they are, there's a purity that gets released and it builds up and it doesn't tear down. Okay? But if our attention isn't placed to, on Christ's likeness, if we're not taking that personal responsibility for heart health, for being made whole in Christ, and that again, that's not a spiritual reality, it's, it's also a natural, it's our heart, it's our individual personhood being formed into the likeness of Christ. There, there are too many people in the kingdom of God today who are, who are incredibly gifted in the spirit but incredibly distorted in the heart and it's doing damage. And this is again the thing for me where um, whatever we are building as the church, I'm like we need to build the right people before we go and, you know, we're, we're crying out for revival right now in, in California. They're like, God, do it again, a fresh outpouring. And I'm like, absolutely, hallelujah, awesome. But I'm concerned about what we're going to reproduce. If the Spirit of God was poured out in a massive way, if revival came to Perth, my concern isn't that, oh, that people get saved, lots of good things will happen, churches will get filled, but eventually you're going to start reproducing whatever you have produced. And I'm not sure there's enough health and life, and I'm not speaking judgment or trying to be negative i'm just saying what i what i feel is like oh there's so much more that the body of christ could be understanding about the kingdom of god there's so much more health that could be coming into the lives of every individual believer so that as they are reproduced because when you become a disciple of jesus and you make disciples of others you are not just emulating christ to that you're not just showing them jesus you're showing them jesus in you christ in you Okay, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ, which means that discipleship is designed to be integrity-based relationships. So it's not saying, well, you know, do what I say, don't do what I do. No, it's saying if I'm saying I'm a disciple of Jesus and I'm following him and I'm discipling somebody else, I'm saying you should be able to emulate every aspect of my life and it will be faithful to Christ. Knowing that we're all broken, we all have those areas of growth that are going on in our lives. But I want to be, you know what? I want to have integrity-based relationships that say, if I'm not pursuing Jesus, I've got nothing to offer somebody else. Because we're not offering them conversion. We could do so, but it's not what we've been called to do by Jesus himself. We said, go and make disciples. So go and make more little Jesuses. So Holy Spirit gifts can be poured out on anyone, but they are designed to be poured out on those like Christ. This is why we build on the foundation of Christ, our nature becoming like His. They're designed to be poured out upon little Jesuses, okay? Because then they're utilized rightly. You know, I, I don't, we don't send little Abigail to go and cut up some fruit for, for the rest of the family, Okay? because she'll cut up some fingers and, um, yeah. 
Or did you cut up a whole lot of stuff? Um, yeah. But you know what? That's, that's the reality is there's responsibility. I, I want to be someone that says, when God pours out the next measure of gifting or anointing upon my life, I'm mature enough to be able to handle it. Because the gifts of God can crush you. The anointing and the power of God on your life, if you're not right, will, will naturally become distorted and cause damage to yourself or other people. I'm not saying that to scare anyone. I'm just saying that's, there's a reason why God has called it to, to be established this way. Okay? I'll, I'll show you what the rest of it is. And and we can talk about this more. But then essentially it's moving on. What are your natural abilities? What you love? And the context that you find yourselves in. But just, just to point that out, that's the direction that we want to be growing in our lives. Okay, and so again, coming back, that's why we have a, an attention to to doing heart ministry because that really is working at foundational level. It's not just healing the wounds; it's it's uprooting whatever it is that's continuing to cause the wounds in your heart and your life, and really to come into that place. The reason why we preach and why we should be in the Word is to renew our minds so that we're understanding that our lives need to be built on a kingdom foundation. Yeah, awesome. We'll leave it there for this morning. Part two, yes. All right, let me pray for you. I just thank you, Father God, for your goodness, Lord, and that you are bringing reformation to the body of Christ, Lord. You are renewing and you are rebuilding, Father, and you are causing us to come back to that right foundation-building process, Lord. And Father, we don't want to see destruction of the church, Lord, but we do want to see reconstruction, Father, and foundations really been coming in, Father. We pray just a blessing upon this city, Father, the churches in this city that are even gathering this morning, Father. And I just pray, Lord, that you would send the right people, Father, that would churches that are being built, Lord, on a shaky foundation, Father, that you would shore up those foundations, Lord. You would bring in revelation, Father. You would cause repentance to come, Lord, where it needs to come in order to shore up those foundations, Father, where empires are getting built, Lord. We just pray for a shifting of that, Lord, into a kingdom understanding, Lord, into that right apostolic uh, understanding and anointing upon the churches in this city, Father, that there would be a unifying, Lord, wherever there is empires, Lord, there cannot be unification, Father, where your kingdom comes, Lord, where the church is built on a kingdom foundation, Lord, where people are pursuing the very nature and embodiment of Christ, Lord, then unity can come to the body. Unity can come to your church, Father, and your church is designed to be an unstoppable force that the gates of hell will not prevail against, Lord. But Father, as we are all off doing our own thing, Lord, we are, we are less than what we could be, Father. And Lord, too often the enemy finds his way into the body of Christ and brings destruction and separation and division, Father. And Lord, if in any way you want to use us as a people, Lord, to bring blessing, to be a blessing to your body. We love the bride of Christ, Lord. And we only want to see a beautiful, Lord. And Father, we don't want to carry around any criticism in our hearts, Lord. But God, that burning and that yearning, Father, for the purity of your bride. Lord, that would cause a holy discontent in us, Father. That we'd want to see your bride flourishing, Lord. Alive and beautiful and in purity and power, Lord. And Father, I pray for us as a people, Lord, that where our lives have been built on the wrong foundations, Lord, that you would bring revelation, Lord. You would, you would help us to seek out uh, the right kind of wisdom and ministry, Father, to shift and renew our foundations in our lives, Father. And Father, you would continue to, to pour out a grace to pursue the likeness of Jesus, Lord. And not just to avoid the bad things in our lives, Lord, but to press forward,
towards that upward call of Christ, Lord. That we'd be like, no, I'm, I'm going to, I want more righteousness and more righteousness and more righteousness, more of Jesus, more of your kingdom. We thank you, Father, for your mercy that covers us where we are and your grace that empowers us into that next place that you want us to be for our good and for your glory. We bless you, Father. Amen.